Amen. I want to welcome the internet audiences that are listening on the internet. Uh, we welcome you to Coda Homes Full Gospel Church. Amen. And hope you enjoy the message. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Lord God, that's present here this morning. And I thank you that you're here to preach Jesus. God, words that are spoken without your presence is just empty words, Lord God. Without the Holy Spirit, it, it means very little. But we need your Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name. How many say Jesus is here this morning? <laughs> Amen. Thank God for it. You know, th Thursday night, I kept preaching. Well, I've preach, been preaching on, on the names of God. And, and this kind of ties into it. Uh, you know, we talked about Abraham, how when God spoke to Abraham and said, listen, uh, I want you to take your son Isaac, and I want you to go to the mountain that I show you. And when you get there, I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. And please, I thought about that over and over. This man, I don't believe he just threw his hands up and said, okay, God, I'm going to do whatever you want. I believe there was a struggle in him. My Lord. Yeah, he struggled. He said, this is my son. This is the son I waited for 25 years. You promised. You promised that. And you want me to kill him? Put him on and, and offer him as a sacrifice? And three-day journey he took before he got to the mountain. And I'm telling you what, I don't know about you, but I'd have gave up. He's walking this three-day journey thinking about, I'm going to have to kill my own son. I'm going to have to kill my son. God's asking too much of me. I mean, come on, God, what's the matter with you? I could about imagine that wrestling that was taking place in Abraham. But how many know God has a plan? Amen? God has a plan. Abraham went to the mountain. He found the mountain God spoke to him of. And he had a couple of young men with him. He said, you all stay here. Me and, the son, me and my son, we're going to go up and worship. And we're coming back. He knew if God was going to let him kill his son, he's going to have to raise him up. Because that's the only way God can fulfill his promise. And I said it, and I'm going to say it again. It's so important to listen to it. He said, go and offer your only son. Well, wait a minute. He had Ishmael before Isaac with, with uh, Hagar. And he had another son. But no, Ishmael was the son of flesh. The only one that matters is the son of promise. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Jesus is the only one that matters. The promised child. So God only identified to Abraham what he promised him. So listen to this this morning. So he said, we're going to go up and worship because he knew God would have to raise that boy up if he was going to fulfill the promise he made to Abraham. And he put the... The wood, and they had the, they had the fire, they had the wood, and they was carrying it up the mountain. And listen, there's so much symbolism of Christ in that one story. Isaac said, Dad, we have the, we have the wood, the fire, where's the lamb? He said, God will provide himself a lamb. <laughs> How many know 2,000 years ago, Jesus was the lamb of God which took away the sins of the world? The promise that he made to Abraham, that he would raise up a seed. He would raise up a, a, a redeemer. Amen. Hallelujah. He got up on that mountain 
and, and the little boy, he might, he might have been 12, between 12 and 18 years old, I guess. He didn't fight Abraham. Abraham tied him up and laid him on the altar. And there was no struggle. There was no struggle between Isaac was more than willing to fulfill his father's will. Because he knew his father. He knew, his, he knew who Abraham was. He knew the faith that Abraham had. But just before he struck <laughs> to kill his son, an angel appeared to Abraham and said, don't kill the boy. Because now I know <laughs> that you love God. Not going to withhold your only son from me. What a relief that must have been. You can imagine three days of journey fighting this in his spirit. Imagine he gets on that mountain and said, I guess God's going to let me go through it, but I'm going to have to do it. And all of a sudden, God says, don't do it. God, God put a little lamb stuck in a bush. Abraham called that place Jehovah Jireh. God provides. And it's not necessarily talking about providing provision. He's providing a sacrifice that only through the Holy Ghost God could provide when he provided Jesus. This morning I want to preach a message called It Takes the Blood. <laughs> Listen to me. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ to redeem souls. It takes the blood to bring us in a place with God where we can have fellowship with him. It takes the blood to be healed. It takes the blood to set our foundations on faith and what Christ promised through his, through his sacrifice. I want you to, you, well, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Most of the scriptures I'm going to read to you, okay, but Hebrews chapter 9, verse 20. I hope you're ready to receive this morning. I'm going to share some with you, and I believe that's, that's the Lord. He showed me that. Son, I want you to establish faith in the people of me and, and the faith and the foundation that I have promised them. Salvation through Christ Jesus. The promise of the soon return of our Lord. These things, are, these things happen and going to happen. Amen. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He paid the price, the sin debt for you that you can be saved. There's not a person on this planet that has an excuse. The, word, the gospel has been preached out to the whole world right now. Jesus said that would be one of the signs that he'd come back when he'd come back. There, it's being preached right now throughout the world right now in Coda Homes because this little podcast we have reaching people from Ireland and different places in America and parts of other countries and stuff. So we're part of that plan. Coda Homes, part of sharing the gospel throughout the whole world. That's amazing. I said, whoever would have thought. <laughs> but that was a prophecy that God gave in the end, and before Jesus would come back, the gospel would be preached out throughout the whole world. And it's important because if we don't do it, if we don't fulfill that call of God in our lives, we're missing out. On souls, we're missing out. The Bible says a man that wins souls is wise. God wants us to be soul winners. God wants us to share the gospel, this wonderful message of Jesus Christ and what he did on, on the cross. There's a lot of people in Potage and a lot of people around this area that are going to hell. Man, you ever thought about that? 
right down the road, not even a quarter of a mile. We have to be an example here. We have to be a testimony in this area. We have to make sure that Jesus is preached. Because when the Spirit of God starts moving and that gospel starts going out, there are going to be souls coming to this little church. We might have to open that other doors over there. Maybe put some other. You listen, listen, people say, well, how do you know? I don't, I've just got to believe God. That's all I have. I got to, man, I feel the presence of God. I got to believe in the, in the power of his message and the power of the Spirit to do that. I can't do it. I don't have the power to save a flea. But the Holy Spirit does. Like I said, I'm only the messenger. I'm not the message. <laughs> I'm only there to give the word. There's no special powers in me other than the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. But as for me, I don't have it in me to do it. I realize something. I'm only, I'm only a servant of the Lord. What's the message that Dakota Holmes has to preach? What's the message that you have to preach? When you get out of here and you go down the road and you meet your relatives or your friends, and they say, what's going on in that little church? Jesus is going on in that little church. Jesus is forgiving sins in that little church. The blood of Jesus is in that little church. They're preaching the message of the gospel. You can be forgiven. Well, I've been tormented all my life. I've always had this fear and doubt. You don't have to carry that anymore. The blood of Jesus takes that away from you. Hallelujah. Blood of Jesus will cover that. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's the message, brother. That's, we don't have to be some big old ordained ministers from... <laughs> just a simple witness with the Holy Ghost can change the world. Can make a difference. And that blood has to be the message we preach. It's that blood that cleanses. It's the blood that sets free. I was going to say, I forgot about it, but it's the blood that cleanses me. It's the blood that gives me life. It's the blood that took my place in redeeming sacrifice. He washes me whiter than the snow. And then the snow, the rest of it goes, Jesus, my redeeming sacrifice. <laughs> Sometimes I forget it. I got to have the guitar when I, when I sing those songs to remember. But the power of the blood is to change your life, man. You today, everyone in this church today, has to realize it's by his blood that you've been re redeemed. You know, just coming to church doesn't save you. Come on, somebody. You need to be in church. That's why God wants you. You learn. You grow. You, you get a word like today. But just sitting here is not going to save you. Knowing me is not going to save you. Just some shake a donkey's tail. That's about as much as you're going to be saved by shaking mine. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's the blood. It's the blood. It's the blood that cleanses. It's the blood that, it's the blood that restores. It's the blood that brings healing. It's the blood. I'm a bloody preacher, brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe in the power of Jesus' blood. I believe he redeemed us through his blood. Uh, verse 20 of Hebrews chapter 9. This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Now watch. That's the whole point. This is the blood of the covenant. This covenant that we have, this covenant we have with God was paid with blood. Come on, somebody. It was paid with the price. It was paid with the precious blood of Jesus. You don't own yourself. You were bought. With a price. You're not your own. You belong to Jesus. There was a blood price put on your head. You couldn't pay that price. I couldn't pay it. We're sinners. That's not a human being that ever walked the planet other than Jesus Christ paid of sin debt. 
And it gets me so upset when I hear preachers say any born-again Christian could have died for sins. That's a hypocrite. I've heard a couple of them say that. What kind of preacher would make a statement like that? Any born-again Christian could have died for the sins of the world? That's blaspheming. You know those preachers that are coming out through this prosperity movement? That's what they believe. I said, you better get saved, man. There ain't no, there ain't no blood of mine going to atone for anybody's sin. It's going to be the blood of Jesus. The only way, the only begotten son. You remember what, he, what I said a minute ago? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He got, he got angels that are called sons of God. Different, But they're not the, the son of God. They're not the promised child. See, they're not the one that was, was promised to the world that they can get their sins forgiven and cleansed and healed and saved. The only way you're going to get fellowship with God is if you're under the blood. The only way you're going to get fellowship with the, with the Holy Spirit is if you're under the blood. The only way God's going to hear you if you're under the blood. Come on, somebody. There's no price ever paid greater than the blood of Jesus. There's a man, me and Booker's watching, and I've been knowing it for a long time. His name was Ron Wyatt. He's a Christian archaeologist. He claims to have found Noah's Ark. Uh, he found the spot where they believe they parted the Red Sea. So he, they found some, some chariot wheels and different things under the water. But he, I was listening to him talk about he believes what he says he did, and he looks sincere. He's found the Ark of the Covenant. He says he saw it. And this thing is placed in a, in, in, in a room or a chamber or something. But... It's not under the Temple Mount, like people say. It's not in Ethiopia. He's, it's underneath Calvary. <laughs> I watch. I thought about that. I said, man. He said he saw it, and he saw some dark, blackish stuff on it. And he had it tested. And it was, it was the blood of a human. But that blood only had a mother. Didn't have no father. He says the blood leaked from Calvary, from Jesus Christ, and fell between the mercy seats on the ark. I said, man, what? That would preach. He had the blood tested. He said the person that that blood was for had no registered father. They couldn't find a father in the DNA. Well, he had Mary. But she carried him. She, she had some of her. But I said, man, that ark is sitting right underneath, according to him, right underneath where Jesus was crucified. And the blood seeped through the cracks in the ground and fell right in the middle of that ark. You know that ark Moses built with the Ten Commandments in it? They carried it around. And he said the blood fell right on the mercy seat. That's what the mercy seat is. The angels were like this, and the mercy seat was in the center. Where, where between the two angels on the top, I said, man, how, how precise is that? How, how you think it was planned that way? Some, it was an accident? God put it there. That's what happened. God was trying to tell the world there was a price paid for our sins. There was a price. There was blood shed for our sins. And it's right there on the mercy seat. Thank God for the mercy seat of God. We need it every day, praise God. But you're not going to obtain that mercy without the blood of Jesus. My God. Let me read you a little bit, okay? I know, I, know, I know I'm saying it a lot. I sound repetitious. 
Because we have to understand, what is our salvation based on? I mean, what, what, we, we, we claim to be Christians. We love the Lord. But what are we saying? What's saving us? I mean, a lot of Christians go to church and they don't understand a flip about what the blood of Jesus means. You know, most preachers say, you come join our church, we have a program. You know, we have kids can have a, a little, little uh, uh, you know, what kids do, a little basketball. They go to the movies. They have little games they play. And it's almost like we're trying to sell Jesus. And repackage. But ask a lot of what, what, what are you saved from? Who, what, how are you saved? Do you know anything about the cross? <laughs> Do you know anything about the blood that was shed at Calvary for your sins? Do you know what the price was paid for you? Do you understand that? Can you comprehend what a great sacrifice God made for you? Most of them probably say no. That's sad. That is pitiful. When you're going to a church calling yourself a Christian and you don't know who, even the one that saved you. You don't know what, what the price was. Hebrews 10, 19. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it for you. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, what that holiest was, that was that, where that ark was at when, when they had the temple. You know, when, when the temple, the Jewish temple was up, they put that ark behind the veil. And that's the only place that can, person that can go in that, that, that place of holiness was the high priest. It had a veil, and it said the veil was about, I don't know, a few inches thick. And it would separate the holiness, the holiest place from the rest of the uh, temple. Because there's only one person could go into that place, and that was the high priest. And he would go in there, and he would offer atonement for the sins of the people. And the thing about him is that if he wasn't, he, he had sin in his own, they had to tie a bells around him and around his clothes and, and a rope around his legs. So if he wasn't right and he'd get behind, God would kill him. When them bells, listen, when you get in the presence of God, you're going to hear ching, ling, 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 ling. Listen, you're going to hear something. <laughs> the bells are going to ring. And when they stop ringing, they know he's dead. So they drag him out. I wouldn't want a job like that. <laughs> but he went. Once a year, behind that veil, to make atonement for the sins of the people. But now, as believers, the Bible says when Jesus died on the cross, that veil was torn from top to bottom. It symbolized that we can go to God ourselves. Now, we don't need a priest or a preacher or anybody like that. Thank God we got intercessors, but we don't need. We can fellowship with God ourselves because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the atonement that Christ did, it could never happen, ever through history, till that, till, till that blood of Christ was shed at Calvary. There was never a way to get to God. It, there was always that separation between God and man. You understand what I'm saying? But Jesus made the way that we now, we don't need to go uh, in the veil. We, we can go to God ourselves. We don't need a priest or anybody else. God made a way. Through his son, Jesus Christ. How many are receiving this morning of this? Hallelujah. There's only one way. I preached it a couple of weeks back. There's only one way, and that's Jesus. One mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. There's no other way. I was praying this morning, and it's been in my heart. I said, God, why am I got to keep on telling people there's only one way? Because that's what I want them to know. You don't turn to the left or the right. It ain't in Mary. It ain't in Buddha. It ain't in Muhammad. It ain't in nobody. It's in Jesus. It's not in the saints. 
It's not in Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter. It's in Jesus. One way. If you want answers from God, you got to go one way. If you want to get answers to your prayers, you got to go one way. If you want a healing in your body, you got to go to one way. If you want your sins forgiven, you got to go one way. There's no other way. You must say, Brother Lenny, he's so narrow-minded. Well, this is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's only one way, and that's the blood of Jesus. You ain't going to get it no other way. Hallelujah. If you're dealing with something, don't look for another way. Don't look for a preacher that will tell you something you, you, your flesh wants to hear. Go to Jesus. Amen? If Jesus is speaking to your heart and telling you to do something, go to him. Find out what, what he wants. I might not understand every, everything. I'm going to tell you the honest truth, but I do know this. Jesus is the only way. <laughs> the blood is the only way. Hallelujah. Let me read you uh, chapter 12 of Hebrews 9. You're probably there right now. Every year, the high priest had to go and offer up a sin offering for the sins of the people. Oh, there was always offering, offerings for sin. But that one year, that, that was an atonement. He had to first make an offering for himself. Well, he had to atone for his own sin. Then he had to make an atonement for the people. And he went behind that, that veil once a year. One time a year. And they would offer up goats and bulls and heifers and it was always, an animal had to die, but it could never take the sin away. It was like it was covered for, the, for a year. It would never erase the sin. He had to always go back, Brother Kevin. He had to always go back every year. But Jesus Christ went, and he atoned once for all, for all men, that all men could be forgiven, that all sin could be forgiven if men wanted to make it right with God. Said here, he didn't go with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered into the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Man, that'll preach. Hallelujah. That'll preach eternal redemption forever. You can find eternal life with God. You can find forgiveness of your sin. I tell people a lot of time when I'm preaching to them, wouldn't it be great that every sin you've ever could committed would be forgiven from the time you were born until now. Oh, man, that'd be wonderful. You hear people tell, oh, that, oh yeah, it, it could happen. It happened in me. It happened in a lot of you. Your sins were forgiven. Jesus redeemed you. You know, you look at uh, Ruth. Ruth's a perfect example. But we're going to teach you on Ruth one day. Ruth was a, a, a Moabite woman. She was an idolater, but God had mercy upon Ruth. And she, she came with her mother-in-law back to uh, Jerusalem where she could marry a man. She married Boaz. Boaz was her kinsman's closest relative to her, her husband that had died previously. And by that right, he could have, you know, whatever he had, buy whatever he had. And his wife was Ruth. And Boaz was called a kinsman's redeemer. And what that meant that Boaz could redeem Ruth, which was a symbol of the Gentile church, which we are. Boaz bought Ruth and married her and loved her and took care of Ruth 
The same thing with Jesus. He bought us at Calvary 2,000 years ago. The blood of price. It was a blood death price. There had to be a, a death. There had to be some, a redeemer. Somebody had to pay for your sins. But we take sin so lightly, we don't realize what it costs. It costs Jesus Christ, the Son of God, His life for us. And I still say He left the glories of heaven to come live on this earth 33 years and suffer the most shameful death anybody could suffer. That means you don't have to go to hell. We better look at Jesus a whole lot different, praise God, because without Him, this church is not possible. Without Him, your soul is damned for hell. Without Him, you have no hope. Without what, he what took place at Calvary, you'd have no hope. How important is the blood of Christ to you? How important is the blood of Christ to you? Never saw it like that, Brother Lenny, but it's the most important thing you have. The blood of Jesus. Let me read to you. You don't have to turn there. Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, who had once, once were uh, for, for all have been uh, brought near. Let me read that again. I threw myself. <laughs> Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. A little too loud, Gene. You were brought near. Near what? Near God. Near, near heaven. Near redemption. Through Christ, by the blood of Christ, you were drawn near to God. I thought I just had to go pray, and I don't really think much about the blood. Some people won't even mention the blood. Preachers won't mention it. Preachers won't even mention salvation. Hallelujah. They won't, they won't mention the cross. They won't mention none of that stuff no more. We, we don't want to make people feel sin conscious, so we just don't mention sin. Well, you, you're going to have to throw most of the Bible out from, the, from, from Genesis to Revelation. That's all it talks about is men's wickedness and men's sin. They need, they need a Savior. They need a Redeemer. Without that blood, you, you, you can preach prosperity. You can preach good feelings all you want. It ain't going to change your heart. A man has to come to God and know Jesus as his Savior. That's the only way his heart's going to change. He has to apply that blood over his life. Amen? I got another one. Let me read this to you. Chapter 10, verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Paul wrote that. Amen. There's no way you can take a, take a, a, a bull or a goat and get sin out of your life. They would, they, they would offer, I don't know how many, you know, thousands of animals every year. They were going to this temple. Blood was shed every day. Animals were suffering and dying. And that's the only thing God would accept at that time. But he never accept the sins gone. He, he just covered it up. He just put, it, put a blanket over it till, till the next year. But the sin was still there. The pride, the lust, the hate, the, the, the rebellion was all there. You could, you could put a, a, the blood of a, a goat or a bull on it, but it never took it away. It was, it was like a shield, a protector for, for the next, till the next year comes around. Because you know, doggone well, you're going to do the same thing over and over and over again. 
So you're going to have to go over and over again and offer the same sacrifice over and over again. But it can never take it away. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Exodus real quick, chapter 12, verse 22. Isn't God good? Amen. Isn't the blood of Jesus good? Listen, I, I feel as the pastor here, I got to establish, help you establish faith in the blood of Christ and what Jesus did at Calvary. There's no other way, hope, without that. I think a lot of people today, they go to church, and I hope not here, but they go to church and it's just, it's just part of what they do. They never understand what Christ paid at the cross for you. They'll, they'll, they'll never stop and think about the price that he paid. You ever stop and just meditate on, on Calvary a little while? Meditate on, on the sacrifice at the cross, the suffering and the hurt and Oh, my God. There's no way a human being in the flesh would have made it. But he, he was in the spirit. Even though he was taking his abuse, God was with him. And he looked up into heaven, nailed on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You can imagine all I mean, for that time in Christ's life, he, his father turned his face from him. He, he, well, the thing is that he didn't see Jesus' sin. Jesus was made sin for me. He saw my sin and your sin. And it caused God to turn his face from his only son. That evil, that thing that we take for granted, sin, and we do it so easily, caused God to turn his face from his only son. Out of all the suffering that Jesus took, that had to be the most hardest thing he endured, having his father... Turn his face from him because of you and me. You ever stop to think about that? He saw you and me. He saw, he saw the baby murders and the adulterers and, and, and the homosexuals. And he saw, he saw all of that. He saw it on Jesus. He didn't say he became. He says, you know what I'm saying? He, he wasn't the sin. He, we, he became sin for us. Don't mean he was a sinner. He took our place. Those nails were my nails. Those thorns, those beatings were my beatings. He took my place. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is when God spoke to Moses about when they were getting ready to leave Egypt. He told Moses, gave Moses a command. Remember, anything that was done in the Old Testament, applying blood. I'm talking about when it comes to the temple, when it comes to all the things that were done, was done to reflect the blood of Christ. Okay? It was symbolic. Exodus 12, 22 says, And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. And I'm reading from New King James. And strike the lintel. And the two doorposts with the blood that is the, that was in the basin. And now, and, no, and none of you shall go out the door of his house until morning. Now, why would God say that? Because the angel of death, the judgment coming upon Egypt. And 
the firstborn in Egypt was going to die. Egyptians' children were dying. And the only way God's people could be saved if the blood was on the doorpost. Amen? And when the angel of death came by, they saw the blood. <laughs> My Lord. When Jesus, when, when the devil comes to get you, remember you got some blood on your posts. And he can't do or enter like he wants as long as that blood is applied on your doorposts. Now I'm not talking about literally, I'm talking about your life, who you are. Satan can't kill you. Hear me. He can't do anything until God gives him the permission. Satan can't take your firstborn. <laughs> and you hear something. And then we're talking spiritual, okay? Because there are Christians that have died. There are Christians that lost their firstborns. That's not what I'm talking about. But when it comes down to who you are, you have to have that blood over those doorposts. Because Satan will come in. If the blood is, I'm not talking about having religion. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm not talking about having a Bible in your house. I'm not talking about having a Bible program playing. I'm talking about the blood of Jesus Christ on your life. You can have 15 Bibles in your house. That won't stop the devil till the blood is applied. As wonderful as the Bible is, thank God we have it. But if that blood is not there, if you don't believe what's written in that book, if you don't do what the book says, there's no blood over your doorpost, and Satan will come in. Amen? Let me read verse 13 of the same chapter, Exodus. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, <laughs> I will pass over you. <laughs> when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall be that, that shall be on you, you the plague shall be on the Egyptians you to destroy them. I will not strike, you know, as you strike the land of Egypt. So the plagues that are coming on Egyptians, you won't see them because of the blood. Okay? Because of the blood, you won't see them because you are God's child. God, you put the blood, you applied the blood. And I'm talking about the, don't tell me the New Testament church don't need the blood. Oh, yes, we need the blood. Amen. It might be a little blood you're putting over your doorpost, but the blood of Jesus Christ has to be over your life. Without that blood, you have no hope. Without that blood, you ain't going to make it. Without that blood, the death angel is coming in to take your life. We ask, listen, what, 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 what should I do, Brother Lenny? Get right with God if you're not. God's God to put the blood over your doorpost. Apply that on your life. And make sure that Christ's love and protection and his blood is over you. Because Satan is coming. And I'm going to tell you something. You might think this wrong. The devil wants to kill you. He wants to kill your family. He wants to kill your children. He wants to kill. Listen, when I pray, I, listen, I got some children I'm worried about right now. I'll be honest with you. But I have confidence in what I've asked the Lord for. Say, so Lord, save them. Bring them to Christ. I'm not, I'm not even worried about it, really. Because if I can't, I can't have confidence in what I, I asked him for and have confidence in what he promised me, then I'm full of unbelief. They're coming in. I, th I told Janice that a while back when I said, you know what? When Moses was leaving out of Egypt, 
Pharaoh said, well, you can leave, but you got to leave your cattle and everything behind. He, he said, I ain't leaving without one hoof. <laughs> I'm taking everything I got, my, the young and the old, the cattle, everything I own. I'm not leaving this earth, Pam, without one child saved. You hear what I'm saying, Delilah? I'm not leaving without one hoof. I'm not losing my children. I'm not losing my grandchildren. I'm not losing my in-laws. I'm not losing none of them. I'm not going to let the devil. I got to pray. I got to, I got to apply the blood. I got, to, I got to ask God. He's going to take care of it. I'm not leaving this earth without one. Well, Elena, you sound like you. No, you can call me anything you want. That's my prayer. That's what I'm asking God for, okay? I have confidence he's going to do it. I have confidence. I, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I worry. Sometimes I look at situations and say, oh, God. <laughs> but I got to remember what I asked him. I got to remember that I asked him to save my children and my, and my family. And I have to believe him. Like I said before, you might tell me you believe in God, but do you believe him? Do you believe what he says? Do you believe what he promised through his word? Believing the devil believes, the Bible says, and he trembles. The devil ain't getting nothing from God but judgment. I believe, but I have to believe. I have to believe in what he, what he said and he promised. Let me read some more to you, and then we, we, we're going to close this. Amen. Matthew 26, verse 28. If you want to turn there, you can. God is a good God, amen. My Lord, there's power in his blood. That song, that song, there is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. There's power, power, wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my unfold away. It was there by fate I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. <laughs> Woo! I'm getting excited over here, man. <laughs> Woo! Man! <laughs> I am excited. You know, you know, I might start doing a jig up here. I might, I might get in, Listen, I might... Get out of my religion after a while and start dancing. <laughs> God is good. Woo, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. And this is uh, chapter 26, verse 28. For this is, this is my blood of the New Testament, or New Covenant, which, I sh which was shed for many for the remissions of sin. What covenant? The covenant he made at Calvary. He was... He was doing the Lord's Supper, we call it. And he was, they was eating the Passover. And, and Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the cup, my blood, which is shed for many. This, this, bread, this, this bread is broken for as my body. It's broken for many. There's two things I want to start doing mostly the first week in, in uh, the month. I want to start having a communion service. I told Janice, starting uh, the beginning of the month, we're going to, start, we're going to, have, a, we're going to have a communion service. Every first, I just want to do it. Not, not, it's not to be repetitious or nothing. I think we need to re re realize and recognize what our Lord did for us at Calvary. Amen. As often as you do this, he said, do this in remembrance. And I ain't going to save you more than you say, but it brings you back to what Jesus did at Calvary. Remember the price that was paid for you at Calvary. But Jesus said, for this 
is my blood of the new covenant or new testament which is shed for many for the remission of sin listen there is a, men can be forgiven of their sins men jesus paid the price all you have to do is come to the water and drink to the well and drink amen christ has paid the price there's nothing you can do to, to add to that. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've been forgiven. You say you was perfect. As you said, you were forgiven. And every sin you've ever committed from the time you were born till now is, is washed away. Man, ain't that wonderful. <laughs> I can think about some dirty, filthy sins in my life, and I don't want to even bring them up. But you know, because of the blood of Jesus, they're not there anymore. They've been, I've been forgiven. They're gone. That easy, brother. All it takes is a repentant heart and a person trusting in what Christ did at Calvary. You can be forgiven. Then you can grow. Don't mean you, well, I'm saved now. I can do what I want. That's not, that's not what I'm saying at all. It's the start of a new life. You've been born again. Your life has changed. You've be, you become under the blood of Jesus. You've been put under the blood of Christ. Now you can walk for the Lord and grow. And your life will change. If you, hey, let me tell you something. If you ain't changed, you ain't born again. If you're the same as you was when you said that prayer and you leave the same person, you ain't, you ain't met it. You, 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 you haven't really surrendered to God. Don't tell me you're going to come into the presence of a living God and something ain't going to change. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Something's going to change. Your life's going to change. From that minute on, listen, I was telling... Ray and Yvette, when I, when, when I was 12 years old, when I sat right here, I remember that so well. I mean, like, those, I, couldn't, I couldn't quote John 3.16, but I knew I was going to heaven. <laughs> I knew if I'd die, I was, I was saved at 12 years old. What can a 12-year-old know? You, you'd be surprised. Like I told him, I, I'd backslid on God, but me and Sister Janice came back to church. She was about 20 years old, and we, ever since then, we've been serving the Lord. But I was saved that day. I knew it. Nobody had to tell me anything. You feel, feel different, Berlin? I didn't have to tell me. Nobody even told me anything. I just knew I was different. I knew God had come into my life. Jesus had come into my life. Hallelujah. Matthew 20, verse 20. You don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll read it to you. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. A ransom is somebody had to pay something for somebody else. Somebody had to pay for your sins. Somebody had to pay that you don't go to hell. Somebody had to make it right with God for you. So Jesus offered his blood as a ransom for our sins. Hallelujah. One more verse, okay? You can turn it. Revelation 5, 9. Revelation 5, verse 9. Oh, and another thing I, I, I talked about, we're going to start planning another movie. It's going to be the beginning of the month. Probably going to be on a Saturday, the first Saturday of the month. So I want to keep that going. I, I was blessed. I mean, that movie we saw last time, man, it, it just put the fear of God in you, man. Things are going to change. Going, it's going down quickly in this, in this, on this earth. And we need to make sure we're right with God, okay? So I'm about, we're, going to bring a, we're going to be mentioning it again, but for sure, though. Book didn't choose a movie yet, what he wanted, but he's a movie chooser. <laughs> That's his job. 
He's a lot, he loves books. I said, you take care of the library, you take care of the movies, book, and you can share on Bible study Sunday morning. And they sang a new song. Praise God. Who's they? The redeemed. <laughs> the ones that made it to heaven. This is during the time, you know, the rapture had happened. And these, there was some that was persecuted, saved even after the rapture. Because the Holy Spirit is not leaving the earth, just the church. When Jesus Christ comes back to get his church, the rapture is going to happen. The dead in Christ is going to live. And those which are alive remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we be. But there's going to be a revival taking place on the earth during tribulation because souls are going to be saved. People are going to lose their life for the faith. But they're going to stand before God. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open the book. This is the seven seals of judgment, right? Where the Bible says God had a book and it was sealed with seven seals. And those seven seals were closing a book in heaven and the only one that could open that. And that was the book of judgment. That was the book where God is setting his judgments out. And the only one found worthy to open that book, guess who? He was the only one to open the seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your own blood. <laughs> I tell you what, when you get there and you're going to realize how important that blood was, you're going to say, Brother Lenny said that. The Holy Ghost said it. You're going to realize just how important the blood of Jesus is because that blood's going to have redeemed us to God. And we're sitting in glory. Listen, once you get there, There'll never be hurt. There'll never be pain. There'll never be sorrow. There'll never be dead. There'll be no hospitals. There will be no funeral homes. Amen? Amen. There will be no sacred wars. There won't be no crazy houses. There'll be none of that. Only joy. <laughs> Only a praise and worship before God. Never to see sorrow ever again. My Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Only to enjoy life with God forever. And ever. What a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. How it goes? I forgot. <laughs> but anyway, it'll be a joyful day. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he says here, and have redeemed us to God by your own blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. There'll be people saved all over this world. There'll be people born again lives will be changed he purchased by his own blood at Calvary how many believe that I mean I, I think this is important today. I really I believe this is the most important message I could probably preach because if we don't know the blood we don't have it over our doorposts we don't have it over our lives and our homes and our families and over our own faith we're not going to make it amen we're not going to make it